welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Hey, hey, welcome back. And as always, thanks for listening. This is going to sound kind of flippant, but... As crazy as it sounds, bear with me a second. The question is, Jesus, Jesus, who has Jesus? And who understands him the best? Now, I was uh, in Sunday school, and there was a discussion going on, and we have a very lively Sunday school class. Got a lot of different age groups, a lot of different education backgrounds, and uh, more often than not, someone will bring up a question, and it's always, it's not always the same person, it's just, somebody will bring up a question of some kind of doctrine or maybe understanding of a biblical passage, and, uh, and then, man, it's on. It's on like Donkey Kong, because uh, when you start talking about interpretation and thought processes on Christian doctrine, that's like throwing raw hamburger into a pit of starving animals. I mean, they just go crazy. Now, that's a pretty graphic representation, but I want to tell you, a lot of people with who say they've got faith and they've got a relationship with Jesus get vicious and uh, you know and and they feel like that's rightly so because they're the designated defender and so forth now granted we're supposed to have a reasonable answer for our faith our faith independently right but uh, people get really testy over doctrinal thoughts. And this got me really curious, actually. And uh, because, to be quite honest, uh, you know, if I was uh, in, in some ways thinking about the figure that's usually cited about how many Christian denominations there are. And uh, I think one figure is like 33,000. Okay, 33,000. Um, however, comma, if you do a little bit more digging, um, the uh, Center for Global Christianity at Gordon Cronwell Theological Seminary, which is Protestant, estimates it's probably more currently at somewhere around 47,000 and growing. Um, and there's some Pew Research uh, uh, articles you can pull up on that. But here's the, here's the thing. The question is, why? Why? Why are there that blooming many denominations? Now, um, people will you know, be quick to say, well, 
should be judgmental. God uses everybody. Yeah, God can use everybody. Absolutely, and he does. But more often than not, I think God is working around us and making some really cool stuff happen. But here's the thing. Um, 47,000. Okay, and that has to do with doctrinal issues. And that's only people or groups that are really considered, quote, you know, um, what you would consider mainline Christian or mainline Protestant, so to speak. But, um, but man, uh, that's evangelical Protestant. So anyway, now why is that such a why is why does that just blow my mind? Because a lot of people see well diversity and diversity is good. Don't get me wrong. I mean I love diversity. I love different opinions. I love you know that's one reason I love my Saint school class. We got a whole bunch of different people, different opinions, and so forth. And I love that kind of thing. As long as you don't get bananas and start going for people's throat. Because then you're passing discussion and you've passed judgment on an individual. Um, now, I'm going to be dancing down a line really really close here, okay? And, and here's the reason, you know, I say that. is because one man's hero is another man's heretic. Um, and uh, I think that one thing that unifies evangelical Protestants is the fact that we all believe Jesus is the Son of God, is resurrected, died for the world, is returning, and that belief in Him is the way to stay with God forever and start a, a wonderful life now. Now, there's a whole lot of different issues, different thought processes on where denominations, you know, kind of go and ebb and flow. Uh, and let me th let me throw a little side note in here, by the way. It it really just mm, sizzles my bacon when people uh, start slamming Jewish groups. Um, for their theology and and so forth when the the Jewish faith itself if you're going for the main groups uh, there's probably four or five over I can't tell you how many thousand years Four or five, Orthodox, Conservative, Reform, Reconstruction, and then I think there's another one I missed. But here's the thing. Now, those are, you can even expand that probably, but here's the thing. You're not going to reach 47,000, okay? And they've been around a long longer. So, when people get all into stuff, uh, and pointing fingers in jazz. Um, I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. You need to, you know, that that's that parable Jesus said, look, you got a log in your eye. Get that out first. 
and then you maybe help somebody else get a speck out of their eye. So anyway, um, most of the division you will hear in denominations has to do with doctrine, which is teaching. Okay, it's a fancy word for teaching. People say doctrine, and immediately they think that sounds just so sterile and doctor office and horrifying, and even evil, horrible things happen to you when you come in contact with doctrine. But that's just a, it's just a churchy word for teaching. That's all it is, teaching. That's what doctrine is. But it's teaching. Um, the reason this kind of came up on my radar was because one of the th one of the you know, the big to dos we started getting into in in the sun my Sunday school class was uh, was church was secession of sign gifts and I've already mentioned that on a prior podcast I'm not going to go over that again but uh, but that is a that's a teaching thing okay that's an interpretive issue. And what really got me was um, an individual basically said, well, it's apparent in the scripture. Well, yes and no. It can be. However, comma, um, that's where I think theology gets in the way of biblical interpretation. Because if you come to the Bible with a preconceived notion of the Bible says such and such because so-and-so told me it said such and such, then you think it says such and such before you ever get there and read the passage. So immediately that interpretation is preconceived in your brain. Whereas, if you clear your brain and you read the passage and you, and you let the passage talk to you, then uh, that can be a little different. Um, now, I have a degree in theology, so I'm just going to lay it out there. Um, I believe that theology can be a very good tool. Unfortunately, uh, theology, like money is a really good servant and a very poor master. Um, because theology is also uh, used as a battering ram and a baseball bat to beat people over the head with. Um, I really believe in the indu inductive method of Bible study where you let the scripture talk to you and then if it doesn't say that, you don't assume it does. You just kind of take it for what it is. And by the way, Paul's writings, he is brilliant. And uh, I always refer to the passage in, I believe it's First uh, Peter, where Peter's admonishing people. Look, people misunderstand Paul to their own destruction. <laughs> And, and 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 Peter readily admits that some of the things that Paul says is hard to are hard to you know, it's difficult to understand. Well, let me just tell you, if the apostle who walked with Jesus and conversed with him at length says that, I think I'm going to believe him. So here's the thing: um, you got to be careful when you're dealing with Paul, 
But the issue is, uh, it's doctrine. And everyone defends, by the way, I want to say this too. Everyone defends their teaching, every denomination, to the blooming death. Um, ergo, you have 47,000 denominations. That is division. Can you possibly imagine? And I'm not, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm fixing to suggest something, and people are going to immediately throw me under the bus and, oh, he's ecumenical. He's ecumenical. And that's not essentially correct. Yes and no. I believe in, in uh, cooperation, but uh, this. Uh, but there are ultimate truths in the scripture you have to hold to. However, comma, uh, you can still cooperate and work with people because why? We are in the world, not of the world. If somebody's got a different th thought process, then okay. Let me suggest to you this, though. When you're looking at denominations, alright, when you're looking at denominations, and by that I mean Christian evangelical denominations. Try it. I think it's easier to separate them by church government and politics than it is teaching. Now, that's going to make somebody go bananas. I can hear the screaming already. Um, but here's the reason why. Because the main, one of the main differences, I think, within denominations has to do with how they run the church. How they run the church, how the, where the money goes, how the money is distributed, all that fun stuff. Um, and let me give you an example. So... The liturgical churches, right, which would be more of an ecclesiastical model, and I'm using a lot of fancy words here, but I'm going to break it down a sec, um, tend to have an organization in charge of them. The Lutherans have an organization in charge of, of that church. Uh, the uh, Now, they would be very quick to say, well, we make our own decisions. Okay, but still, there's, you know, there's that. The bishop, unless you, you know, you know, get into appointing, unless you have what, what's, what's supposed to be church autonomy, in other words, you can do anything you want, no matter what it is, and everybody's cool with it, um, that's not autonomy. So, uh, and I guess say Lutherans, but but I mean the Episcopals, the uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, yeah, Anglican, which is the same thing essentially, and then you've got you know the Methodist and and different liturgical branches. They tend to be overseen by an organization. All right. Non-liturgical, and, and the difference between liturgical and non-liturgical is liturgical-type churches 
when you walk into them and you go through their services kind of hint at Catholic a little bit all right because they have the vestments they have very very you know, ornate sanctuaries a lot of times the the uh, order of worship is very uh, is very like the past Catholics background that they used to have now um, now I'll, I'm not throwing them under the bus there's some wonderful I've known some fantastic liturgical ministers absolutely hands down wonderful guys wonderful and women by the way wonderful people uh, a uh, a uh, chaplain a female chaplain came and visited me in the hospital and she was wonderful so anyway non-liturgical basically means they run from anything that even hints at catholic so so they don't uh, follow the yearly cycle of you know necessarily the yearly cycle of epiphany and all this other stuff and uh, in the, the sanctuaries are pretty basic and so forth but the main thing is um, you know they don't have the ministers don't wear vestments and stuff not normally now I've seen some that do and those guys are pretending to be non-liturgical but anyway uh, the issue behind that is uh, it's how they run the church when you have a non-liturgical church they're not necessarily they're supposed to have pretty much church autonomy and church autonomy means that the church gets to make all of its own decisions no matter what now interesting thing though uh, churches that are non-liturgical like Baptist churches and so forth um, they say there is church autonomy, but if but a lot of times they're a part of an association, and the association kind of gathers their money and does mission projects and stuff, which is not a bad thing. But you got to know that um, if the association gets to kick you out of the association because they don't like something you do, then you ain't got church autonomy. You might have it after you get kicked out, but you don't have church autonomy. Church autonomy means you can make your own decisions. People got different ideas of what church autonomy means. But uh, going by the textbook definition, I think uh, that's not church autonomy. So, why do I get into all this jazz? I get into all this jazz to say this. You find out, well, a very old pastor mentor of mine said this and I think it's very wise he said you practice only what you believe everything else is religious talk it doesn't matter how many miracles you think you've got how many tongues you think you speak how many healings do you think you can pull off? 
how many vestments you get, you, you know, how many people you can you 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 baptize, how many sermons you do, how many you know how many de- minister, you know uh, bishops come and visit you and give you accolades. All that jazz don't even count if we're not doing something for others like Jesus would. The most important thing in the Christian church, and this is going to sound crazy, in my humble opinion, is this. Not necessarily, necessarily orthodoxy. Orthodoxy is very important. Don't get me wrong. You have to believe. If you don't believe the Bible is the Word of God, you've got nowhere to go. I mean, you just don't. Why? Why? Why spend hours and hours and days and days and, and, and just thousands of years studying a book that you don't absolutely believe in? It makes no sense. Oh, well, it's got some good stuff to say. Well, great. You know, well, you know, Aristotle does too. But he didn't say he's God. So here's the thing. You have to believe that. I mean, there's got to be there at some point. Now, uh, there are believers that give other things equal credit, being equal to the Bible. And they'll be quick to point out, well, you know, this translation's got the... Okay, 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 I, I get I get, I get with the translations. But here's the thing. If you don't believe that this is God reaching out to us, you've got nowhere to go. If you don't do what it says, you've got nowhere to go. It doesn't matter if you've memorized the entire Bible if you're not doing it. That's why I say orthodoxy is not completely as important as, and here's another word, orthopraxy. Orthopraxy is a fancy-tancy word for right behavior. Because if your faith isn't changing who you are and isn't making you more like Jesus each and every day, then what good is it? Think really hard on that yourself. If your faith is not making you, transforming you, and making you want to be more like Jesus every day, then what good is it? If it doesn't change the way you do things, the way you manage your money, the way you manage your time, the way you talk to your family, the way you you talk to your friends, the way you talk to everyone you meet throughout the day, your interactions, if it doesn't change that, what is it doing? You know, I mean, for real. So, it seems like, even though they like to point out that, that you know, they like to poke the Jewish faith in the eye quite a bit, um, Protestants are divided on a whole bunch of stuff whole ton of stuff. That's why you got 
47,000 denominations, Holy Toledo. Now, here's the thing, or here's a thing. Richard Wormbron, who I mentioned before, who wrote a book, or a book was written about his life called Tortured for Christ. He was a Romanian minister when communism took over that area. And the communists gathered up in his area all the pastors and put them in one place. And what Warmbron mentions is that it was amazing that he watched people argue for hours. They argued and argued and argued and argued and argued with each other over all kinds of little stuff that makes 47,000 denominations. Teaching. Doctrine. And there were Catholics and there were, you know, non-Catholics and all kinds of in there. But he said he noticed after about a couple of hours, all that went away. All that died down. Do you know why that died down? Because they realized they're fixing to die. Because the cold, hard truth of the evil in the world was fixing to get in their face and bite their nose off. And he said that the two that snapped, the two that broke, the two that recanted, said, I don't know this, all this stuff, and I'm not Christian anymore, and I'm not, were two very famous guys who had pretty big churches and had written a bunch of books and had a lot of degrees. He said those guys snapped and were torturing fellow ministers for the communists. I highly recommend you read his story. You can see his story on The Voice of the Martyrs because uh, his story was the impetus for that being started. So, how about believers start looking at each other and saying, you know something, we can have some really good conversations and healthy debates But when it comes to serving Jesus and doing stuff for people and doing what doing things that Jesus did when he was here, healing people, feeding people, doing things of that nature, we can do that together, I think. And we don't have to completely agree. And we don't have to swallow no Kool-Aid. We can just agree to disagree. Holy Toledo, can you do that? Can you really do that? Yes, you can. Agree to disagree. I love debate. I've been in debate forever, it seems. All the way back into high school. I do. My, one of my degrees, and a couple of my degrees are in speech and debate and rhetoric and so forth. And I love that jazz. I do. I love a good argument. Man, it's like, oh, let's do it. Let's go. I mean, I'm ready. But here's the thing. All in all, um, if it's not changing how I feel about other people and helping me help other people, I don't, do I really need to just, like, major on that.
I really don't think so. So, once you look at the denominations and you make up your own mind, find one that fits, because that is what, something that I love about denominations is this. There's one size for everybody. You can find somewhere, some, some, you know, but, but I, I'm telling you right now, though, there are some deal breakers. And not believe in the Bible is the inspired word of God can be a problem. Uh, not believing that Jesus said that he is the only way to heaven, that can be a problem. But here's the thing. Most uh, can, most uh, Protestant Christians, they hold those things. They hold the Bible very dear, and they hold Jesus even closer. So, as you work out your salvation in fear and trembling, I encourage you to keep on keeping to this edition of Speak It On. And as always... Don't be afraid to speak the word in boldness and truth. And may God bless all of your efforts.